Hey, what's your favorite parable that Jesus used to teach? Well, most people lean towards the prodigal son as their favorite. Well, here's a question, and from a regular viewer. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Well, let's explore that topic on uh, Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition, one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you? Who are so wise? It's interesting, isn't it, that the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15 is the favorite of so many people? And when you think about it, prodigal, the word, it just means wasteful or recklessly extravagant or lavishly abundant. And that's certainly true about the rich man's son, but it's also true about his father. His father gave him an extravagantly rich gift that he didn't deserve until uh, past until later on, it would be passing on the inheritance at his death. The father was also lavish in his forgiveness and his reception of this wasteful son when he returned home. I think Jesus' focus on the parable isn't so much on the son as it is on the father. And he wanted the audience to know about the lavish mercy, the forgiveness and the love of his father. Now, if you went to a children's Sunday school, you, you probably remember the uh, definition of a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I can hear you saying it right now. Well, that's not far off, but Jesus used parables in many ways and he used different kinds and for at least three different reasons. There are at least six different kinds of parables. There's Proverbs, like in Luke 4:23, physician, heal yourself. Parables uh, most often are metaphors or figures of speech saying something like uh, you would find in Mark where Jesus compares new and old wineskins to speak about the nature of the kingdom of God. But since we're talking about figures of speech, parables can also take on the form of similes that are comparisons of two different things that are not alike, like saying, you know, my wife is a peach. Well, you would never think that she's a literal peach. That would be absurd. Now you take that to mean that I think that she's sweet. Parables can be extended stories or illustrations or even allegories that string together a few metaphors. Uh, you see the use of allegory, for example, in the works of uh, Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress or Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Parables use everyday life situations or common objects to reveal a moral or a spiritual truth and not far off from our Sunday School definition. But here's the thing that Christians need to remember about interpreting the parables. We need to take into uh, consideration two things, the historic context of Jesus' society and the culture and the audience that he's speaking to. And here's what I mean. If you read the parable of the sower, the agricultural practice seems absolutely backwards. Critics of uh, Jesus and the Bible in general use these kinds of parables as proof that Jesus never taught these kinds of things. And so in the story, uh, the farmer goes out, he goes into his field and he starts throwing seed all over uh, this untilled ground. Some of the seed falls on a road, some of the seed falls on the paths or on the rocky ground or among the thorns, and finally it hits the good soil. Well, critics look at that and they say that agricultural uh, practice is foolish. Well, you're supposed to till the ground first, then you get rid of all the rocks and the thorns and the weeds, and then you plant the good seed. Well, that's a farming technique used in Western cultures, but not in the culture of Jesus' day. Israelite farmers first threw the seed everywhere, and then afterwards they tilled the ground and then covered it over, uh, covered over the seed with the earth. 
So Jesus' farmer was doing what farmers in Jesus' day did, and everyone who listened to the parable understood it. But the point of the parable is the ground the seed falls on, rocky, by the road, by the roadside, thorny or good soil. And the question is, which one are you? So why did Jesus teach in parables? The reasons might surprise you, and there are three of them to, to uh, remember. First of all, to conceal the truth, secondly, to reveal the truth, and third, to disarm the hearer. Now, why in the world would Jesus wanna use a parable to conceal the truth? Uh, well, he did that for outsiders. Wouldn't he want everyone to know the point of his teaching ministry? Well, yes, but when you read the parable, carefully observe the context of the audience, who is there. Very often, uh, there were uh, present in the audience those who were hostile to Jesus. Jesus wouldn't let their hostility stand in the way, and so he used parables to teach about the kingdom of God, while at the same time, um, criticizing his opponents with that parable. Think, for example, of the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. For those who are repentant and trust in Christ, the parable makes sense. But to those who are self-righteous, um, they'll identify with the Pharisee who now notices that Luke says uh, he prayed to himself, saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector over here. Well, guess who was in the audience at that time? Luke tells us some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they viewed others with contempt. In other words, a bunch of Pharisees who would have identified with the Pharisee praying to his God, that is himself, but Jesus' point is that the tax collector, he is the one who humbled himself before the Lord in prayer and he went to his house justified. Another word for righteous. The Pharisees missed the point, but Jesus' hope was that they'd think about it. Well, the second reason for teaching in parables is to reveal the truth. Jesus used parables to illustrate the truths of the kingdom of God to outsiders and insiders, uh, meaning his disciples. These parables most frequently illustrated Jesus' teaching. The parable of the Good Samaritan is one of these kinds of parables. Such a memorable way to make the point of God's gracious love for sinners, for outcasts, and for those who were rejected by Israelite society. The third reason for parables was to disarm his opponents, to get past their defenses and open them up to the truth of the gospel. You know, actually a scene from the Old Testament perfectly illustrates this. It involved a conversation between, between King David and the prophet Nathan. You'll remember uh, that the sin of David's adultery with another man's wife, Bathsheba, and then the murder of her husband, Uriah. From that clandestine meeting between David and Bathsheba, a son was born. Well, the prophet Nathan came to David with a parable about a man who stole another man's sheep and what should be done, he asked the king. Uh, Nathan was outraged by this and, and he saw that David was as well. David was angry at the injustice of it all. He said the man should immediately die and make a fourfold restitution uh, for the lamb. And then Nathan turned to David and said simply, you are the man. Now had Nathan come in with a more direct way accusing David, it's likely that David would, uh, would have defended himself. But God used Nathan's parable to penetrate David's heart, which was hardened by sin. He pierced his soul, he convicted him of the sin, and he brought him to repentance. Jesus did the same thing in Luke chapter seven when he was dining with a Pharisee named Simon. 
That's when a woman burst into the dinner party and anointed Jesus' feet with a very expensive perfume while she was weeping. And Simon was dumbfounded that Jesus would allow this display of such a sinful woman. And then Jesus told a parable about two debtors, forgiveness, and whose response would be greater to the forgiver. Simon got the answer right. He said the debtor who owed most would love most. And Simon had no sense of how much he had been forgiven. And so his love for God was on the sort of low end of the scale. One of my seminary classes, one of the first ones, was in the parables. And the more I reflected on them, the more I realized that most often than not, I am not the hero of the story. My heart is more like the Pharisees, the self-righteous, the unforgiving, and sometimes, sometimes, the good soil, but not always. So read the parables carefully. Study their historic and geographic settings. Ask the Lord to reveal to you the meaning of, that Jesus intends to teach you about the kingdom. And then they'll be rich and then won't be a mystery. They'll encourage you to faithful living. If you want a good read, I recommend Robert Stein's book, An Introduction to the Parables of Jesus. We use it in seminary and it's not a difficult read at all. You'll find it enlightening. Well, that's all the time that we have for now. Thanks for watching and thanks to Steve Dine behind the camera as we partner together to stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You'll be of good cheer.